Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I don't think a lot of people realize the amount of other things that you can do to help you get to where you want to get to. For example, if you do some sports writing, that gets you in front of coaches. And that's the biggest thing that I have utilized. So every single time I've gone to an NFL combine or I've gone to different events, I utilize, okay, I'm going to write at this event. I signed up as a writer and I got in front of the coaches. I interviewed them, but at the end I said, I coach football. And the whole thing is about awareness. And you do have to have that confidence to speak about who you are and press that because nobody is going to elevate you as much as yourself. On today's podcast, we gain a different perspective into networking in the profession to find a way to the top. And then we dig into ideas and drills for training running back vision. Joining us to do that is Amanda Ruler, who is currently the running backs coach at McMaster University in Hamilton, Canada. She recently served in the role of assistant running backs coach for the Seattle Seahawks through the Bill Walsh Diversity Fellowship Program. Her unique background in strength and conditioning, data and analytics, and sports media, as well as her experience as an elite multi-sport athlete, is something she is leveraging to advance herself in the profession. There are plenty of takeaways from this episode, including insight and advice to becoming known to people who can help elevate you, as well as ideas for creating purposeful drills. What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512-814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code COACH24 to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. On today's podcast, we focus on navigating 
the coaching journey and networking and being able to do that from a female perspective in this game. More and more females are getting into coaching. They're becoming involved in football. And I think that's an important thing to talk about here on the podcast. We're also going to go into vision training for running backs. And joining me to discuss those things is Amanda Ruler, who is the running backs coach at McMaster University in Hamilton, Canada. Amanda, it's great to have you here on the podcast. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me. So let's talk a little bit about this journey and how you got into football. Sometimes there's people who get you into it, and then sometimes this passion develops on its own. So for you, what was it that brought you to the game? Of course, I think it's a very good question because not everybody starts out in the same position. I would say I'm a self-starter just because I didn't have the right last name. My dad never played, neither did my brother, and I didn't play at the highest level possible. I did play for Team Canada Women's World Football, but definitely that's not enough to get into coaching. So I had to cut my teeth by going to a school, uh, University of Regina. So I was the strength and conditioning coach there and speed sprint analysis person for the football team. Then I opened up my own business, so coaching football players and getting them combine ready. So I was the speed sprint analysis specialist and agility, as well as I could break down every single part of your combine and make you better. So I actually put my strength and conditioning background into it and analyze every single part of the combine in general and show you where your deficits were. And I used that by doing data analytics, Z-scores, and I created an overall athletic score. So when I did reach out to different universities saying, I have this data analytics background, this is what I can do for your team, and this is really great for recruiting, I had that in my back pocket, which was really awesome for the team to be like, you know what, we want to have this part of our program, and this is what I brought for free. So that's how I marketed myself, but there wasn't a lot of coaching positions and Every time I asked, may I coach? You know, I had a door slammed in my face. So I decided to start coaching through sports broadcasting. And what that meant is I got to go to games. So I started my sports broadcasting journey in the CFL, going to practices, going to games. And every time I would go to practice, I just studied, 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 wrote down the indie drills that I wanted to execute. I was a running back to begin with. So I heavily watched the running backs group, but I watched everybody else. When I watched everyone and interviewed coach after, I said, coach, can I volunteer? He said no for the longest time. So then I started coaching at McMaster University. I applied everywhere. I became the running backs coach there for the last two seasons and continued my sports broadcasting background as well as my strength and conditioning business. So I wore a lot of hats in that respect. Finally, one day coach of CFL Craig Dickinson, part of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, he said, hey, like we actually can bring you on for camp, which was amazing for him to say that because I gained all that trust and attention banging down that door from the sports broadcasting avenue. Because I built that trust with him, he let me come to camp and I got to coach with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders as the assistant running backs coach, which was an amazing opportunity in itself because I think gaining that experience is what's going to make me a better coach because I'm all about learning. I need to learn the game more. And it was quite interesting when I did play football. And then when I got into coaching, these guys get taught at such a higher level than I was ever coached at as the athlete I was. But needless to say, I was in a lot of different sports. So I was on Team Canada bobsled, Team Canada skeleton, Team Saskatchewan Olympic lifting, Team Canada football, 
was on my university track team where I was a high-level sprinter and very competitive in my field that I broke all the records at my school for short speed. Then uh, I was on my soccer team as, as well at my university. So very much a jock to the core. And I experienced a lot of different coaches in a lot of different facets. So I saw what it was like to be a great coach and some not so good. So I pulled on from every single coach I've ever had. And I think that makes me very, very unique is when you look at the best athletes, like let's just, let's touch on Patrick Mahomes, right? Multi-sport athlete. I was a multi-sport athlete as well. And when I bring in that aspect of the different coaches that I've had and the different planes of motion I've had to compete in, that makes me different, especially with my strength and conditioning background, getting my bachelor's of kinesiology, my certified strength and conditioning specialist. I'm a certified exercise physiologist. And because of that, you cannot say I'm not qualified to work within high level sports. And that's what I wanted to do. So it was called upon the NFL to be part of the Bill Walsh diversity in coaching fellowship with the Seattle Seahawks this last year, where I was the assistant running backs coach with Chad Morton and under the great Pete Carroll, who is my mentor now. That was the best exciting moment in my entire life, working with such an organization that fostered always compete. That is the philosophy and the culture they install within their organization. And going forward, I will never be the same coach because I had found my niche. I found what coaching truly meant to me. And I found a lot of autonomy, a lot of gratitude towards the things they let me do because it helped me grow. And I will always be thankful for that. I think you bring up some really important points here and just cracking into this profession and being able to get to the higher levels is its persistence. I, I don't really care what background you come from, whether you've had some high level experiences. If you want to get into this level, you have to one, find a way to stand out, to show what unique abilities you have, as you mentioned there, some of the things that you did. And two, be persistent. Be willing to hear no a million times till you do get that opportunity. That's, you know, because when you look at any of these jobs, I don't care if it's an intern position that pays $1,000 at a small college, there's still going to be hundreds of people who want that job to get into this business. So it is not an easy thing to do for anybody. But certainly, I think there's some takeaways for from anybody wanting to take what they're doing in, in coaching here and get it to a higher level. 100%. And just to be honest, this whole time in my whole journey, I've sacrificed money, right? And, and it, I've never been paid. I've never been paid to do any of these opportunities, but I do them anyway, because it's for the love of the game for me. And I want to make it. And the way I am cutting my teeth is I'm doing it for free and I'm taking on all these opportunities, but I am still utilizing my business that I had open. So working with athletes, I have an online business as well, and I'll do personal private training in person. So I do that when I am not doing coaching. And I also do some sports writing on the side, as well as social media things. At the moment, I would like to make coaching my full time endeavor. Obviously, that is going to be the goal right now. But I have to do the other things to maintain just just a little bit of feeding myself and getting some food on the table. But it's for the love of the game that I do the other stuff. And I never feel like I'm working one single day in my entire life. So it's paid off. Yeah, I think that's the best part of what you're doing. It's kind of how I've always approached things in the working world. It's something 
I impress upon my kids who are both in college right now is find what you're passionate about. Go out and do it. Fight for it. And don't don't worry about the money. It will come because there's a lot of people who get into this. And uh, in my opinion, they, they quit too soon. They give up on it too soon. It, it It's not easy. I mean, there's a lot of guys who I, I would tell my players like, hey, just be willing to be poor for a little bit. Don't don't expect that. You know, you graduate with some guys, they go out and get a full time job. You know, they're going to be doing things like, you know, having having, a, you know, getting a new car buying a house, all those kinds of things. Like set those aside for right now if this is what you want to do. It will pay off in the end if, if you really want it. And for some people, hey, they discover like, yeah, you know what? This is not me. This is not the lifestyle. But I think also you, you've done a great job of saying, well, what other things can I do around this that I can be good at that keep me close to this as well? Because I always tell guys like, look, there's, there's a million things you can do to go and make money. Try to stay as close to the game as you can so that, you know, you're not distracting yourself. You're not fragmenting yourself that I got to go do these things over here in this world, but my passion's over here. Somehow try to tie it in. And I think that's, that's something you've done as well. Yes. I don't think a lot of people realize the amount of other things that you can do to help you get to where you want to get to. For example, if you do some sports writing, that gets you in front of coaches. And that's the biggest thing that I have utilized. So every single time I've gone to an NFL combine or I've gone to different events, I utilized, okay, I'm going to write at this event. I signed up as a writer and I got in front of the coaches. I interviewed them, but at the end I said, I coach football. And the whole thing is about awareness. And you do have to have that confidence to speak about who you are and press that because nobody is going to elevate you as much as yourself. For example, when I reach out to people and say, I can talk at this conference or, or I can clinic because I want people to know about my passion and how I can speak about football in, in the respect that I know what I'm talking about. Because sometimes new coaches, whoever they are, you want to trust them. And how can you trust them if you have never spoken to them or, or haven't heard their passion and their story? And at the end of the day, these coaches want hard workers. They want hard workers and somebody they trust. And I think that's super, it, it, it's very important to put that message out there because a lot of people miss that. And I get a lot of messages from people. How did you do it? Can you help me do it? And I can't help you. You have to help yourself. You have to put yourself out there. You have to hear the no's every single day because that's going to drive you to eventually one yes. And then that yes is going to help you get to the next level and the next. I think one thing you've done here in relying on your education in kinesiology and physiology, everything you've done to become a certified strength coach, that's a huge aspect of this. And, you know, talk to, to several coaches on this podcast about how there has to be more and more integration between those strength and conditioning coaches and, and the guys who are out on the field teaching, you know, a certain position. I've talked with Kurt Hester, who I believe is at Tulane now, about that exact thing where he was trying to focus more on getting out on the field to help these coaches because he understands how the body moves and he can teach them some movements that maybe are more efficient. So you bring a, a unique perspective to your coaching with that as well. And you mentioned doing some work and, and developing a business around the data and the, the combine. I'd like to dig into that a little bit just to understand more about what you've done there. Talk to us a little bit about that aspect of it. Of course. So I think when you are looking for the best athlete possible, you want to look at all the data points. And to me, that's putting them through different tests that are going to test their position. 
So I make sure when I'm reaching out to a football team and I'm like, hey, I actually have data analytics background. How can I help your team? Because I want to get more experience. And some teams have let me do that for their recruiting department. So when I look at the recruits that are coming in and when they, when they test them or they've had some testing numbers from them, I figure out what position are they, obviously, when they're trying out. And how can I put that into a space where you can get some data from that? So when these athletes are doing things like the 40 or the broad jump or pro agility, whatever test the teams want to put them through, I can utilize that and say for their position, are these good skills and drills? Here's some other ones you can do. But then I can put those into athletic scores. So I can show you where the deficits are for these athletes comparative to their power and agility. And these are big numbers for the football teams in general, but not for, for recruiting departments, but for the coaches, because if they see like, oh, this power comparative to our group, comparative to maybe an NFL athlete, we might not want to take them, or this is like a definite yes. So I can give you a definite yes answer or no answer, whether to take this athlete or not. And then I can compare that data to whoever you want your team, another team in your division, I can compare it to CFL athletes, NFL athletes, whoever you want, I can take that tangible and make it so you can have a definitive answer on, on whether to take this guy or not. And a lot of programs do that. It's just uh, right now I'm offering it for free because I need to cut my teeth. I really need to show you that I know, have the knowledge and have the wherewithal to to make this into something I'm passionate about and you need to make me part of your team. I want to make me indispensable because you need to have me. You need to have me at this that point because not only I can do it on the field with you guys for football coaching, but I have the analytics background. So I'm almost like Beyonce with a triple thread over here. <laughs> I got I'm wearing I'm wearing a lot of hats. So I can curate that into an athletic score and I can make it digestible for a coach because I am a coach and I know I've worked with other coaches and they're like, well, I don't understand this data. And I'm like, you know what? I am here to make it so digestible for you and under, and for make you understand that, okay, out of a hundred percent, what percentage is this athlete for you and, and your needs? Okay. There's 60%. Maybe we should look to the next athlete. So I can make it tan like this tangible data digestible for the coaches. Huge, huge, huge in having that as part of your skill set. And that understanding. Now, I want to ask this, this question. You mentioned, you know, suggesting drills to develop things. And you are coming to this from a different perspective. You got, as you said, some of the, the basic coaching as a player uh, weren't afforded some of the higher level coaching. But sometimes when you look at, and we don't even have to mention the level, but when you look at some drills that are being done, and hey, a lot of what we do is copy paste or we saw this team with this logo doing it over here we're going to do it in our program too that you look at it and say that's probably not the best way to do that are there are there any of those things that come to mind for sure and i believe that efficiency is the best way to do things so sometimes when i do see filler drills I never want to see a drill in your practice that is going to not have a purpose so for me, every time I create purposeful drills, and this is why I believe that I'm such an asset because I take a lot of time when I'm thinking about the skills and drills I'm implementing because every single movement, every single movement to me has a purpose. And that starts from warm up to cool down, whatever that may be. 
But when, let's say I'm getting into indie drills with the running back, all of these movements to me have to have purpose. Obviously I'm checking like, what are our installs, right? What are we working on this week? But outside of that, if I'm not seeing it on our game film or our practice film, then I'm like, we have to dial back and go back to just the elementary skills and drills stuff. We have to work on vision, which is obviously the most important thing because the scouts are looking at it. I'm looking at it. And what I actually get with the scouts and ask, like, what are you looking for in these running backs? And when I was with the Seahawks, I just sat with the scouting department and I said, what are you looking for in these guys? You know, you have a good understanding of what it may be, but actually hearing them and saying, this is what we want. I was like, yes, I'm on the right track when I coach these guys, because now I can implement that in and bring that back to college programs that I'm a part of and say, guys, like they need somebody that has great vision, catching out of the backfield, great pass protection. So I'm going to get you prepared as heck to be the best athlete going forward and possibly be with a next level team. I agree with you. The vision aspect of it is huge, right? I think a lot of, we can develop those athletes who have all the raw power, the agility, the speed, but ultimately if they can't see where to go and make decisions, you know, flying through the line of scrimmage up through the different levels, they don't have a lot of value on the field. So for you as a running backs coach, what things do you focus on and how do you train those? One of the main things that I like to do is say, okay, what are we working on today? So I like to put tools in the tool belt of these athletes because the less I can make you think, the more productive you're going to be. So the number one thing is obviously we work on the three main cuts for me, and I'm just going to put them down to three cuts. You can call them whatever you want to call them, but I put them into three things so that there's a standard going forward. I think whatever you're doing, when you're putting a standard in and saying, these are the things I expect from you guys, it's just going to create results. And I'm, I'm about results, results-based person. So I give these guys three cuts and we work on these three cuts first. And these are our everyday drills, right? So I demand a speed cut, which is our fastest coming out of it. Then we're coming in. So we want to build that momentum because that's going to create that vision, right? So it's your chance to accelerate. So when we are using that speed cut, if you see vertical space between you and the reason you're making the cut, then cut. So this is something we practice on our everyday drills. So we'll do this from just working on putting that force impact on the ground, even just pushing off one foot, one foot. We'll do an isometric one where we stick, stick, and then I'll say, get out of there. So it's even pushing on those legs and creating that force out of nothing to pop and get that momentum going right away. We also utilize different drills, like say we're practicing inside zone, right? Because if we're doing some speed cuts, I'll create a diamond drill where you need to pull me as the second level defender. And it's all about breaking down these drills into segments, making that first level read and that second level read to create that vision. So if I'm making them do a speed cut and you see that vertical grass, you see that green grass come in, make that touch, that very slight touch and get up field. That second cut that I like to do is a pressure step. So plant that outside foot outside the frame of your body for this one. So that is more that head and shoulders fake. Um, and we're going to use that acceleration in that different direction to sell that move. So when I want to practice this with the running backs, I pretend I am that second level defender 
and I'm coming in at more of an angle that they have to pull me to the side, sell that move, give a little bit more of a lean, that head and shoulders fake, and pull me so that I go in the opposite direction. So as a defender, you have to make me move, make me go in the opposite direction. So I'm not making the athlete move at this point. I get them to move me. So with that pressure step, you have to influence the defender to change their momentum, right? Step out of that frame of the body. So I use several different drills for this. Well, we'll have three bags set up where they're, you know, accelerating towards me, creating that momentum. They have to pull me in the opposite direction and then get vertical. It's always about making that move and getting vertical. And what I always say is no cut, best cut, or bend it back to the backside. And those are the words I use. So the third cut that I like to do is obviously the jump cut. And the reason I put it last is because it's the slowest one possible in my eyes. It's a lateral movement. Stay low, keep those feet low. And when we are doing drills, I never want them to be jumping over bags. And I've seen this done before. And no offense to anyone else. If you do enjoy that, for me, I just want to keep the heel level low. I want to keep the heel level low. So I make sure we're not jumping over bags when we're doing jump cuts. Keep that, press the heel line of the O-lineman or the guy in front of you. I have that bag in front of me where they press that heel line and they are going to make that lateral move because there is no room for your feet to get vertical. You've got to make that choice. And that is the only time you make that choice because it's the slowest movement. So when we are training this, I like to create my jump cuts with cones at different variations because you should be used to the movement, but not the rhythm. One thing that I do not enjoy is when I see people doing jump cuts always the same, right? They're doing a jump cut in, jump cut out. Always switch it up because you're never going to be jump cutting the same place at the same time always, right? Because that shows up on game film. So to me, it's very important that we mix these cones up and utilize jump cuts at different levels. And I actually make like a second level read when I am the linebacker, I'm coming at you, or I'll even throw a physio ball because it is low impact, right? And they can make a second level read, a move, make a move on that guy, right? Just spin out of it or do that head and shoulders fake. But I put those tools in their tool belt to create that vision, get that second level read and finish. And those are the ways that I help these guys the most. And when I was working with the running backs coach at the Seahawks, Chad Morton, very big shout out to him because he is my mentor. He showed me how to utilize these. And he was like, these are the things I do. And we worked on that respect. I said, these are the things I do. What do you think? And he was like, this is great. You know what? Let's try these out. So he gave me autonomy to try some of these movements out uh, and utilize these for the indie drills for the NFL. And that to me is, is such a great learning opportunity and experience and to see the way he worked with the athletes and we had the same type of energy and tenacity and vision towards how to train these guys was amazing. Yeah, I like the aspect of especially how you bring the physio ball into it and going back to what you said about not training things at that same pattern, that frequency, those intervals is a physio ball can automatically disrupt that based on, you know, instead of getting to you to make that cut, I mean, you could hold that ball sometimes, you you could put it at different angles, different speeds. Now that changes that variable for you to get exactly what you want out of that drill. 100%. And I think that's so important is because why are you not doing a drill where you're utilizing all the tools you need to make a guy miss, use that physio ball, use a second level read, get another athlete that's maybe injured that day to go out there and stand out there and just step left or left or right. 
challenge these guys every single day to work their vision. That's the number one thing scouts are looking for, for a running back. And so why not work that every single day on one of your drills, at least. So it's very important to me, very, very important to help these guys get to the next level because you're part of their journey, or maybe they are at that next level and they just need to get better and be high performance. So you had the opportunity with the Seattle Seahawks to be an assistant in the room, but at McMaster, you have the room and you're running it, you're leading it. So looking at that aspect of it, what's your approach? Especially, hey, they're seeing somebody different from anybody they've ever seen in their room before as coaches. So what's your approach to that? How have you handled that? For sure. I think any new coach that's coming into the business, the athletes want to believe in your knowledge and respect you. And I've never had a coach, somebody coach me, when I go up to them, I said, you know, give me a background about yourself. And I've always installed that because I've been a high level sports person my entire life. So I've demanded that of my coaching. So I found, you know what, if I'm going to coach these guys at a high level and university to me is very high level because you're dealing with these guys getting to the next level or possibly winning a championship for that year they demand that I know what I'm talking about because I would demand that of somebody that's coaching me. So I made sure I was very educated. And when I come into the room, I make sure I respect the players and they will show respect back to me. And that's huge. That is very huge to me because I've had been coached in very different ways from different coaches. I've had coaches that show me respect and what that looks like. And they've led by example for me. And I've had coaches that showed me the opposite. So I was very fortunate to learn what that would look like and what it doesn't look like. So I actually married, okay, these are the ways I want to approach these athletes and how do I do that? I became a player's coach in the respect that I said, what do you need from me as a coach and how can I make that possible? Like, what do you need to work on to make you the best athlete possible? Where are your deficits at? because you always want to work on your strengths because that's the funnest part, but rarely do we pull upon our deficits. So to me, I figured out what's your weakest part. Do we need to watch more film? Do we need to work on our second level reads? Do we need to go over fronts and coverages just, just for their knowledge for the running backs, just, just to make sure I had an athlete be like, you know what? I don't understand defense. So I sat with him and we worked on more. This is what a coverage looks like. This is what fronts look like. And it was very interesting for him to even to be vulnerable to tell me that because a lot of these guys don't even want to ask those questions because they feel like they should know that. So I actually had a little secret box where you could put in questions to me and I actually answered it to some of the athletes. So anonymous questions. So some guy said, I don't understand defense. So I said, you know what, let's go over a couple aspects of it today. Let's go over an aspect of a question that you had asked. So they felt comfortable. They felt the respect level. And, you know, we were learning as a group. I thought that that was great altogether. Me just teaching them was me learning and becoming a better coach. So we're at this whole journey and road together. So that's how I installed that going forward with the athletes. That's a great approach to it. I've always viewed it that way, too, is that I want those athletes. I'm going to teach you here some some of the basics. Mm -hmm. And this is how we believe it should be done. And we feel is the best way right now. But you're the ones out there executing this, you may come upon something better and let's talk about it. And maybe we'll implement it. Maybe we won't, but at least we have those discussions and it is that back and forth. I mean, coaching has moved away from, 
being a command and control activity to really working together with your athletes and making it more of a collaboration. They want to know why. They want to be able to give feedback, and I think all of that's an important part of it. I've always asked the why. Every single time I've been coached, I wanted to know the why. And I do understand a lot of the gentlemen probably say, okay, that's too much information, coach. I try to give them as much information as possible, but try to make it brief because I I respect how much information they can retain. These gentlemen are going through school. They have life problems outside of football or life, life endeavors. So I want to make it as simple and digestible as possible. I really appreciate all the information you shared with us here today, both your journey. I think there were so many takeaways from that, as well as the different things you're doing right now to train the running back vision. To bring things to a close here, what advice do you have for a new coach, especially in regard to the networking? Because as you told your story, I mean, that certainly shines through as you've excelled at the networking part of this. I think when you're looking to gain experience and get to the next level, it's about who knows you and not about who you know. You could know as many people as you do, but if these people aren't elevating who you are in rooms where there's opportunities, then there's no chance for you. The number one thing you need to do is connect with different coaches and whether that be the most powerful tool that we have at the moment, which is social media. So through Twitter, which I have met yourself, which is amazing, but through LinkedIn as well. And, and whenever I want to be with an organization, I'll go on LinkedIn, I'll look up the organization, find the decision makers, make sure it's not just the coaches, but it's people that are working within football operations, football recruiting, whoever is making the decisions with the organization, reach out to them. Just let them be aware that you are alive and you're out there and foster relationships please do not be asking people for a job, but just saying, hey, is there an opportunity for me to volunteer? This is one of the biggest things that's helped me is offering my data points or offering my services. Maybe I could come out to camp or I can help with strength and conditioning because it got me a foot in the door, because it got me to the level I wanted to. You can apply all day online for different jobs and opportunities, But if you're not creating those connections, they're going to find the next dude up. And I've heard that a lot. It's like, we're looking for the next guy. I'm like, well, I'm your guy. I am right here. But it's creating that relationship. So this is a relationship-based organization and sport because they got to trust you. And that's huge. So make sure you're getting out there and putting your foot in every single door possible, whether that be media, whether that be some football operations, even if you do want to coach you know, put your foot in there and work your way up, work your way up to your end goal. And I think that's very important. Again, thank you for the time you spent with us today for sharing your journey and certainly wishes for your continued success in your journey as a football coach. I really do appreciate it. And I promise you, you will see me at the highest level possible of football because I am too passionate and too excited about the journey ahead. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. 
with options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Rays has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalrays.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. Coach Ruler presented at Lawrence First and Goal. We'll put a link to that presentation in the show notes. Be sure to follow all we are doing at coachingcoordinator.com where you can sign up for our weekly tip sheet which shares the best ideas from the week, featured episodes, recommended resources, and more. Again, go to coachandcoordinator.com. Also follow us on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski. Thank you.